We're in a series. Actually, we're finishing the series today called Ducks in a Row. All right? Ducks in a Row. Now, I gave you some memes early on because I think a lot of people feel like sometimes uh, there's great things out there about, well, I don't have ducks. I have squirrels and they're drunk, you know, and they're, you know, there's things like that. Like I have, I, they're not in a row at all, you know. And it's a great phrase, it's an idiom that people use, but we're using it in terms of our church, in terms of this series, we're using it to talk about what it would, wouldn't it be great if everything in our lives sort of were in a row, sort of ducks in a row? Wouldn't it be great if everything in our lives um, sort of went in the same direction, had synergy versus tension, right? Uh, you know, had some continuity versus chaos, right? Wouldn't that be wonderful if everything in our lives felt that way? And so what we're using in terms of our language are these three words that we've been talking about over the last few weeks. Prepared, intentional stewardship. Let's all read it out loud together and get in our heads. You ready? Prepared, intentional stewardship. One more time. Prepared, intentional stewardship. And these three words can radically change your 2021 in terms of this next year, this coming year. Here's our theme verse in terms of where all this comes from for us. It's from from Ephesians 5. It says, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand. Lots of good contrast there. Don't be a fool, be wise. Make sure you take advantage of every opportunity that's coming your way. Now, I have, uh, we've kind of walked through what each one of these words represents. And so if we look at the big picture of stewardship, what is that? Well, it's personal responsibility over what resources have been entrusted to me. It's personal responsibility, it's accountability to what has been entrusted to me. And we've read scripture after scripture over the last two Sundays about how everything belongs to God and how everything that we, are, we all have already belongs to him and we're just simply giving back to him what he's already entrusted uh, to us, right? We talked about the Jesus principle. This was found in Luke 12, the first week. For those who have been entrusted with much, even more will be required. That's the accountability side of our stewardship. We're either good stewards or bad stewards. I hate to say it. There is no third option. There's no middle ground. We're either good stewards or bad stewards with what Jesus has entrusted to us. So then we last week, we talked about what is it to be prepared, right? What does that mean? Prepared intentional stewardship. Prepared is to pre-decide, to determine in advance, to pre-plan. This is this idea that you want to make a decision about what you're going to do before you have to do it, before the emotion comes, before the crisis comes, before life hits the fan. You guys with me? Right? You, you want to make decisions ahead of time. You want to pre-decide. You want to be prepared. That's what this idea really does mean. And it's really important. We just chose one thing to talk about last week, which was around our money. Why? Because money is emotional. Money is so tied to our emotions, right? And it's not a money message this week. Everybody calm down, all right? It's not a money message. It was a money message last week. If you missed last week, you're like, woo! Anyway, go back and listen to it, all right? Money's emotional, has an emotional tie, because everything changes, you know, in, in terms of our lives. Circumstances change, and our emotions change with them. So it's hard to just kind of float along. You have to have some prepared pre-decided things in your life when it comes to uh, money, right? Pre-decide. And for us, last week we gave out, instead of asking for money, we gave out $2,600 for those who were here, 
Okay, so we gave out envelopes, we gave out 2600 bucks to those who are here, and we asked you to take the challenge, that you would take the challenge of testing God with what has been entrusted to you and to use it to be rich towards God, to be rich in good works, and we read some of those scriptures last week. So here's what we want you to do. In case you haven't done anything yet, or in case you have, we want you to go to the info.bar, okay? Or you can even use the, the email that was here, Q&A at We want to hear what you did. We want to hear your story. Uh, we already got a couple stories this week. One was uh, they combined their husbands, their wives, and their kids' envelopes. Uh, I think it was close to 100 bucks, And they found somebody on um, their neighborhood uh, social media, you know, neighborhood social media uh, app, Next door, there you go. And they, they, they saw they needed help with food pantries. They found out later on that this person had lost their job because of COVID and other things like that. And so they all took their mon- this money over and blessed this family uh, with their gift. Just phenomenal. Just, I mean, it just came that quickly. As soon as they were open to the opportunity, something showed up. We had somebody else uh, let us know last week that they, they emailed me directly and said, you know, they were praying about what it was, and there was, a, there was a, a program that really meant a lot to their hearts that had a monthly gift, you know, a monthly pledge uh, that was the exact amount that they had together as a couple. And so they decided to give it in a way of kick-starting that monthly gift, but they've decided in terms of their pledge, they're going to continue that monthly support right? So we want to hear those stories. We want to be able to share those with you in terms of what you're doing. So go to the info.bar and you can click on generosity stories and share with us what you did with those envelopes, or you can just email me or Don or just let us know. Don't try to catch the story on the way out. Don and I have a horrible memory on Sundays. Am I right, Pastor Don? All right, preach it. All right, wait, no, don't try to tell us on the way out, hey, we did this awesome thing. We'd like to remember it and share it. So email that story to us and let us know, okay? Uh, or go online and fill out the form. Today, we're going to wrap this up in terms of this, that middle word we have yet to talk about, which is intentional, okay? Prepared intentional stewardship, and we're going to talk about it when it comes to our time. Now, this is going to encompass everything, actions, decisions, the way you think about things, the emotional energy you put into things. But I'm just using the word time because it's just this bigger picture of understanding where we spend our time, what our time is spent on, and do we live our lives and and have the time on earth? Do we do it intentionally, right? So here's the quick definition. Deliberate, right? Very easy to see. It's done on purpose for a purpose, Right? This intentional word has a lot to do with, you've heard you know, your intentions, right? It has a lot to do with the why behind the what of what you do. It's a lot of the why behind the what. Now, you could focus a lot on the what's to do. Here's what to do. Here's what to do. Here's what to do. But sometimes we get lost in the what's because, you know, we can, we can even do a what for the wrong why, and it won't last or doesn't really make as big a difference, So we don't want to focus so much on the what today. We want to talk about the why. The why you do what you do. Deliberately. Intentionally. On purpose. For a purpose. Some people think, well, you know, sometimes I make a decision and it has unintentioned consequences, right? Unintentionally, you know, caused someone harm or, you know, hurt someone's feelings or I didn't mean to do that. It was an accident because of something I did that was unintended. That does happen. But for the most of us, for most of us, Everything we do and everything we don't do has intention behind it. It does. Even if that intention is just our default, which is selfish, lazy, 
careless, right? That's our, that's our, that's our flesh nature, our sinful man. So sometimes it's just our default. It's still intentional, but it's not the kind of intention we're going to be talking about in terms of how do we live our lives with intentionality in terms of the time that we have. Now, this is a great psalm. I want to give this to you because this is a great psalm talking about time. This is a great psalm by Moses. You can go back and read the whole thing later. I'm going to give you just a few verses from it where Moses sort of, I don't know when Moses wrote this. We don't have any idea when he wrote this in terms of the history, Um, but it is a really great psalm that has some reflection and then a really cool challenge. This is just a few verses I'm going to read. Lord, you've been our dwelling place throughout all generations, right? Moses has a very big picture view of God. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. That's who you are. You turn people back to dust, right? Saying, return to dust, you mortals. Quick note, when you return something back to dust, it means it started out as what? Yeah, dust, right? So again, Moses is just kind of painting this picture. Dust became mortal that goes back to dust. God, that's what you do. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that's gone by or like a watch in the night. If you skip down to verse 10, it says, Our days may come to 70 or 80 years, right? If our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass. And then they fly away. Yeah, Moses, he's not going to be in charge of any Hallmark cards, right? Okay? But again, follow the, the thoughts, right? Everlasting, everlasting. You're God. We're mortal. We began dust. We, we were mortal and then we returned to dust. But you, everlasting, everlasting. A day, a thousand years is like a day. And he goes on to say, but our lives, even if they're 70 or 80, It says, if we only knew, if only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Now, this is not words we would normally, we would use when you get into language here. You know, it's, it's, it's saying fear, but we've talked about this as a church before. The fear of God is a respect of God. It's a, it's a proper understanding of who he is versus who we are, right? So this, this would be more like if we only understood the glory, if we only understood the character, if we only understood the, the fullness, right, of God, and, we, and, and your wrath, the way in which you could operate in terms of us mortals, you know, we would give you the fear that's due, Meaning that we would have that respect. We would have, we would have the proper perspective about who you are, everlasting to everlasting, and who we are. 70, 80 years maybe, dust. That's who we are. And then he gives this challenge. Teach us to, say the words out loud, number our days. Teach us, God, to number our days that we may gain a heart of what? Of wisdom. God, teach us to number our days so that we can gain a heart of wisdom. The NLT actually says, teach us to realize the brevity of life. Help us properly see who we are. Okay, so when we talk about the the why behind the what that we do in terms of our lives, we have to start with the right perspective. Okay? We serve, we love, we're saved by, we're provided by the God who is everlasting to everlasting. We are dust. 
We're dust, then we're mortal, then we're dust, right? For a certain period of time, a shadow sometimes they say. There's a brevity to life. And so Moses is just saying, you know, Moses, again, lived longer than us. And Moses is going, hey, teach us to be wise. How do we be wise? We have to have the right perspective. We want to number our days. We want to live with a healthy view of our mortality. Okay, We want to have this as a foundation for how we intentionally live out these 70, 80, maybe with advancements in science, 90 right? A hundred years in our lives. This is some big steps that we can take in 2020 to get our ducks in a row, all right? We got to see all this properly, and we got to talk about how we're going to use our time on earth intentionally. I love this quote. This is where we're going to kind of kick off today. This is from Bob Goff. I can't remember if this is from the Love Does book or from the Everyone Wins book, but He says, I used to be afraid of failing at something that really mattered to me, but now I'm more afraid at succeeding at things that don't matter. This is Bob a little bit later in his life, in his 50s at the time he wrote this, saying, you know what? Like he's a lawyer. He's a very driven guy. If you don't know who Bob is, you can read a couple of his books. He's great. You can look him up on YouTube. He's awesome. But he just said, you know, I, I used to really worry about that. I used, to be, I used to be consumed in my life about kind of failing at the things that I really wanted to do that mattered to me. But now, with perspective, with being intentional, <laughs> I'm more worried about succeeding. Yay, Bob. Succeeding at things that don't really matter. Okay, don't really matter. And that's definitely... Uh, for me, even my prayer and my prayer for you is we talk about just three things. I'm going to go with three things real quickly about how we can kind of begin, start bringing some intentionality to our lives, to be prepared, intentional stewards of our time, of our actions, of our decisions. Here's the first one. Our priorities determine our purpose. First thing to think through is that our priorities determine our purpose. When we start talking about what is the purpose of life, what is the point, if you will, of these 70, 80 years, they're established, the purpose of your life is going to be established by the priorities of your life. Priority meaning who comes first, who comes second, who gets the first, who gets the best. We talked about that last week a little bit. Who gets the first and best, which is the tithe, which is the first fruits, which is very, you know, very much that foundation in Scripture of why we give back to God. But who gets the first? Who gets the second? What are the priorities in your life that are determining your purpose for your life? Because it's revealing it, right? So this is, I'm going to read this. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to give you this passage. It's Matthew 6. It's from the Sermon on the Mount. It's a small section, verse 25 through 33. I'm not going to read it all because I'm not necessarily using it in the context that Jesus was teaching this passage. I, want you to, I just want you to focus on how Jesus describes life, okay? How he describes life and then the ultimate challenge of the passage, okay? So this is Matthew 6, 25, 33. I'm only going to read a few verses. He starts off by saying, I tell you, Therefore, because of the context of what he'd already said, I, I tell you, do not worry about your life. And this is the categories, right? What you will eat or drink or about your body or what you will wear. Okay? He goes on to give a few examples because he's teaching a lesson about fear and anxiety 
and worry. I think the best way to describe this is Jesus is saying, don't let these things consume you. Right? Don't let these things be all that you are. And when you think about those four categories, I mean, just briefly look at it, these four categories cover a lot, right? Eating, that's our grocery shopping, that's our eating out, that's our dinner parties, that's our snacks for kids because the kids are at home from school and they're just eating everything, right? <laughs> Am I right? Is it just my house? Desserts, right? Desserts, like eating takes up a lot of time. And energy and emotional energy and like it's it's a big deal. Drink, coffee, guys. Some of you guys, your life purpose is coffee. Okay, well, in terms of priorities, okay, if your priorities determine your purpose, that's the purpose of your life. Protein shakes and clean juice and some of the things that we've come up with in terms of of, of, of healthy versions of this, our wine, our craft beer, right. Yeah, see, craft beer. I mean, for years, I've known lots of people that are just doing this in their tubs at home. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, for, for a long time, there's been pubs and, and bars, but, you know, whatever. You got to make it in the toilet. That's fine. I understand. Like, you know, the craft beer's a big deal. It takes a lot of time. Your body, right? Going to the gym, that's beating your body into submission. Going to the spa, that's pampering your body, Right? rewarding it. You have to worry about your pre-summer and post-summer body. Okay, that's a big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal, right? You're tanning. The fact that there are business models entirely built around the idea of tanning, right? That's a big deal. Entire businesses. Tattoos. Oh, it's a whole nother one. Just think about all the things that this entails, these categories that Jesus is saying, I don't want you to be consumed by these things. I don't want you to be, you know, worried about this or anxious about it. What you wear, (laughs) shopping for clothes, shopping for your kids, shopping for events, shopping for shoes, shopping for accessories, your jewelry, your hats, your scarves, your unnecessary scarves, your all those other things, right? I mean, just, just for a moment, take a minute. I want you to think about the commercials, if you still watch actual TV, okay? I want you to think about the commercials and the ads that you see. What percentage do you think are devoted to those four categories? Right? I mean, really, let's be honest. If you think about what in our country, in our culture, is constantly trying to sell us more of, or the right amount of, or to properly get us focused on something... These are it. A huge majority. This is it. What we eat, what we drink, our bodies, what we wear. And Jesus said, yeah, but I don't want your life to be consumed by these things. I want you to worry about these things. I want you to be anxious about these things. Matter of fact, he, he goes on to say, is not life more than food? And the body more than clothes? Like that's, a, that's the question he kind of brings in early on. Is it not more? Go back to that list. The next line. Is it not more than these things? And yet, yet, these are the things that dominate the majority of our lives. Even as Christians. And that's, that's where the rub comes. 
because we're not intentionally thinking through what our priorities are. It's not that these things are bad. Okay, you need to beat your body into submission. You need to treat it and pamper it sometimes, right? You need to you need to eat. I'm in favor of eating, right? Drinking, living indoors, having clothes. I'm so happy everyone's in clothes today, right? So I'm in favor of all these things. It's not that these things are bad. He just said, I don't want your life to be consumed by these things. And he goes on to say, because this is important towards the end, when he's really bringing home the message of this whole sermon, he says, these things, the list we just talked about, they dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Those without hope, those without Jesus, have no choice but to be consumed by what they eat, what they drink, what they wear, and their body. But our Heavenly Father already knows your needs. And then here's the point of this section. I want you to seek the kingdom of God above all else. Say above all else. Right? Above all else. This is Jesus basically saying, your priorities are going to set the direction, are going to set your purpose. Above all else, as in first, live righteously, and he will give everything you need. It goes on, other translations say, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. What it means is that Jesus already knows you need to eat and you need to drink and you need clothing and your body needs to be exercised and rewarded. You know, like he already knows these things. But if your life is consumed and your time and your energy and your decisions are consumed by those things, then your priorities are out of whack. He says, I want above all else, above those things, first and foremost, I want you to put me. I want you to put the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added, meaning they're still there. They're just not the priority. They're not the life. They don't encompass the life. If I had to to guess the purpose of your life by just looking at your calendar and your to-do list, what would I say is the purpose of your life, right? If I had to look at your Google calendar and your to-do list, what would I say is the purpose of your life? Again, it goes back to there's lots of things on there that are good things to do. It's not the what you're doing that matters. It's the why you're doing it that's going to set the priorities for your life. We all need to remember our whys. And if you're anything like me, you sometimes worry, like, well, there's not enough time in the day to get everything done, right? We have, sometimes we have too many things that are priorities. And here's the, here's the only thing I'll say about it. We will always accomplish what we prioritize. We will always accomplish what we prioritize. My kids right now with home, the remote schooling, I can promise you, I don't, I don't mind that they want to take time away and, you know, you know, distract themselves with Netflix or play games or go for a walk or whatever. Like, you know, there's things they want to do. They don't want to just sit in front of the computer and learn, learn, learn and do their things. However, I do also know that, th- that if homework was a priority, if schooling's a priority, they will get it all done. Sometimes there's a reward for that. Sometimes there's a punishment for that, right? So if they prioritize it, it gets done. That's what I know. And I know that to be true of my life and your life. We will always accomplish what we prioritize. That's it. 
When we know the why behind the what's that we do, we can always accomplish what we prioritize. And then Jesus said, look, I already know the things you need. I already know the other things. These things will be added to you. He will provide what you need. If you make sure, above all else, he's first. Here's the second thing. We have to make sure we're continuing to trust your compass, not a map. You've heard me use this language before if you've been around Journey, but I'll make it very brief. Trusting your compass in terms of being a follower of Christ is to trust the Holy Spirit, to trust God in you, to give you direction. Not putting your trust in a map, okay? A map. And the reason that we all love a map is because the majority of us function in terms of success and, you know, making a choice to do something is because we want an outcome. We, want a, we have a goal. We have an outcome. We, we want to see it, you know, we want to see it happen. So we make decisions on what we're going to do based on those goals, based on those outcomes. And for, you know, a lot of Christians, we use the word God's will, right? God's will. We want to be able to do God's will for our life. We want to make sure we're doing God's will for our lives. That's great. That's, that's wonderful. I, I, I am with you on that. But there's lots of scripture. I'm only going to choose a couple of verses today to help us see it. But there's lots of scripture that helps us understand that God really does, he's more in the direction business than he is the map business. As in, here's the outcome I'm promising you. Here's the, here's the goal. Here's the thing. Take these three steps. Take a right at the house. Take a left at the McDonald's. You with me? You know, and, get, and then you're going to get there. No, he's all about directions. He's all about steps. Here's a great passage in Proverbs. You can, we make our plans. It's talking about man, but the Lord determines our steps. Goals aren't bad. Plans aren't bad. But God ultimately, you know, in terms of a healthy understanding, he's going to determine your steps. He's going to provide the steps you, you take. But we can't, I just want you to be honest about it. We can't help it. We can't help it. Every one of us wants our life to look like this. Okay, step one, step two, step three, all synchronized, all together in the straight line, quickest possible route, everybody with me? To the thing, to the goal, to God's will in our lives, to knowing that we're doing what he wants us to do, to to be able to accomplish the things that he's put in our hearts to accomplish. We all believe this is how it should work. And when it doesn't work this way, Many young Christians, immature Christians, will struggle with their faith because they took a left and they took a right and they made some bad choices and now they feel like they're derailed. There's lots of people, guys, in the wings of Christianity that have given up in their faith, not given up on God, but given up in their faith because they ultimately feel like they've taken themselves off of the path for God's will and they can't get back on or it's too hard, or, be, or just because they struggled, that it's not, this is not going to work for them. But guys, this is not the right view. This is a map view, okay? And this is what man tries to sell you. This is what, what gurus try to sell you, self-help gurus and all the people that are trying to sell you. You want to be like this? Do these three things, and you can accomplish it. You want to be like that? Do these two things, and you can accomplish it. Because that's a map. We all like maps. We'll pay the money for the map. And yet God is so much more concerned about the why, the compass, the direction he's putting you in. 
You can trust where he's taking you. The compass is what matters. Trust your compass. Here's what it says in the Psalms. I want you to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on the map you so desire. Lean not on the way that you think it's best to get there. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. What does that mean? Okay. Again, we all think it means prior. We all think that, well, if we just submit to him, if we just trusted God, that he will make our path straight, which means I get to do the three steps to accomplish what it is he wants me to do. I'm just, I'm just going to share my example, my life. That is not how it's worked. Okay, That's not how it works. This is my life. Okay, Pretty good representation. And and I want you to know that several of these dots and these turns and these moments were were decisions that I made because I wasn't living intentionally for God. I wasn't being intentional with my time and my decisions and my priorities. And I got off base and I got off track and I've wandered on my own in my own strength and my own desires in my own desire to make money, in my own strengths as a salesman. In my, I mean, I've, there's so many things that I've done that's just kind of walked me through as I've walked in this journey. And it's not like the straight spots are the spots that I was following God. No, there are plenty of times up here in this map that I was following God and he initiated a U-turn. Okay, He initiated a sharp hairpin right. wasn't me. I was following him. I was going in the direction I thought he called. I came to Huntersville, following in a direction he called me to do. Did the thing I came to do happen? Not right away. Not even at all in terms of the way I imagined it. Sharp lefts and sharp rights that God initiated. But I trusted my compass. Everybody with me? Trusted my compass. You trust in the direction. That's why around here we, we talk about, we use words about steps. What is the right next step in your journey? What is the right next step that God has for you? The right next step is what you need to focus on and be intentional about. Not whether or not you're going to get there in three steps. Not whether you have a map that tells you exactly where you're ending up. That's not how, that's not how my life has worked out at all. And yet I'm just telling you, the fulfillment that God has even used some of my my history and my life, he's used some of the fractures in my life, some of the consequences of sin in my life to be a part of the story and a part of the journey that leads me in the will that he has for me. It brings whole new life to that verse that says, all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called by him, right? It means, it means that even the, even the sharp lefts and rights that were in, I initiated, God just somehow in his sovereignty has been able to weave in the story of my life a continual path to trust him, to trust the Holy Spirit, to trust in the Lord and not my own understanding, to trust the compass and not a map, not a map I create and not a map that someone else creates for me, but to be intentional about what's the next right step. What is it in terms of what he's calling me to do? In terms of my priorities and the purpose of my life. Here's the third one. We want to consistently model our values. 
Model is the best word because I want you to think about decisions and actions. How you live, the decisions you make. We're, we're all living life sort of in public, you know? We all live on a social platform right now. We're all far more connected than we've ever been before. So modeling has become really, really important. Even, even if you want to argue social media and the highlight reel and all that stuff, I understand. But modeling, intentionally choosing what you want to help people with, how you want to display, what do you want to model for others? I'm telling you just from an encouragement, I want you to model values. I want you to model the values consistently that you state are important in terms of your priorities and in terms of your life. Consistently model these values. This is from the message paraphrase. Hopefully you know this verse or at least a a portion of it. We don't see things, we don't yet see things clearly. This is the writer of Hebrews, or sorry, this is Paul writing in Corinthians saying, look, while we're here on earth, we don't have a clear picture all the time. We just don't. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist, but it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. There's going to be a day when you will see things clearly. He goes on, says, we will see it all then. We'll see it as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly just as he knows us. This is talking about heaven. This is talking about a a day that we're going to see it clearly. Right now, we're squinting through the fog. And he says, but for right now, right now in your life, the life you you want to be intentional about, until the completeness comes, until that, that glory comes, we have three things to do to lead us toward consummation. Very clear. Trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, and love extravagantly. And the best of these three is love. If you've heard that verse before, it's faith, hope, and love, and the best of these things is love. But I love the message paraphrase because those words just mean so much to me. You know, he's like, these are the three things I want you to do. These are values above all that you can live out. I want you to trust steadily in God. Okay, put your hope there. Live by the compass, not a map. Set your priorities straight. I want you to hope unswervingly, regardless of of what happens, regardless of elections, regardless of pandemics, regardless of job economies and and global economies, regardless of these things, unswervingly hope in God. And when you love others, when you put others' needs above your own, when you live this life, when you love extravagantly, you're going to be living out the values and modeling the values that God wants us to have right now. We, we can't see it all clearly, right? But in terms of this life, everything, I mean, I'm just telling you guys, I tell couples and uh, marriage couples in counseling sometimes, you know, especially when, there's going through, when they're going through a hard time, like it's probably best not to make any decisions because I try to give them a visual of like standing in the middle of a tornado with like things flying all over the place. I was like, how can you even tell what the direction is that you want to go? How can you even tell the direction when things are flying all over the place in a twister? You can't. So be careful, even more careful about decisions you make because you can't see it clearly. And that ultimately is what we're talking about in terms of we in our life can't see every move God wants to make. Again, we don't have the map. That's not what he's given us, but he's given us the compass. And so for right now, until that time, we have values. We have the fruit of the Spirit. You know, we have these values to live out. 
of trusting in God, our faith in God, our hope that's unswerving. And to love others extravagantly the way Jesus loved us. And guys, it's so important that we model this to the next generation. If, if your children had to, had to today answer the question, what do you value most? Are those three things going to make the top five, top 10, top 25, right? If your children had to tell, you, you know, what's been modeled for them in their lives by their parents, what do they value the most? That's a scary thought sometimes. Versus that's why it's, it's so important for us to consistently model, consistently model the values that are aligned with our priorities, that are based on that compass, trusting in God, not in our own understanding. Right? Modeling those things for the next generation. Guys, I'm, I'm not worried about the next generation in terms of them being a part of the di digital revolution and you know, all the integrated and interconnected ways that things are going to continue to become. COVID has done nothing but speed that process up. I'm not worried about that all by itself in terms of the technology. I'm worried that when we aren't modeling these, these proper values for the next generation, that they're going to be more connected than ever, but it's going to be void of substance. It's going to be void of what matters. It's going to be void of trusting steadily in God, of hoping unswervingly, and of love that is extravagant. There's another passage, and I mentioned this in Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews. This is just one that I wrote down about seven years ago after I heard another pastor talking about it. It was a challenge for me. This is a, pas this is a passage from, from the writer of Hebrews towards the end. He says, I want you to remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And this is just a challenge for me in terms of what I'm modeling to my children, to this church, to my circle of influence and accountability. Do I, go to the next slide, do I have a message worth hearing? You know, do I, do I honestly have a message of hope that's worth them even hearing? I, I, guys, I, I use this to, to kind of filter sometimes what my Facebook posts are going to be. Is it a message worth hearing? Is it going to bring hope? Is it going to bring light? Is it going to bring love? Is it going to bring Jesus to the forefront? Do I have a life worth considering? If someone looks at my life and looks at my life, are they going to consider that that's a life worth living? That that's a life worth considering? Do I have a faith worth imitating? When young people are around you, when, when people who are new to faith are around you look at your life, do they look at how you exercise your faith? And when they look at that in such a, such a modeling kind of way that you would, they would be like, I want to imitate that. Now, they need to make their faith their own, but do you even have a faith worth imitating? This is just my list. Let's be honest, this is my list. comes from that passage in Hebrews. But it's convicting to me in terms of what I want to be intentional about in terms of consistently 
modeling. We want to be prepared, intentional stewards. We want to get our ducks in a row this year, 2021. We want 2021 to be different. I want you to be prepared. I want us to make some decisions ahead of time. I want us to be intentional about our priorities, about what we're using to lead us and and what we're following and how we're modeling for others in the use of our time and our emotional energy and our decisions. And I want all of us to really get this picture of stewardship that we have been entrusted with so much. God has entrusted us with so much spiritual gifts, passions, calling, love, money, resources, times, gifts. He's entrusted us with so much. Are we really living that out for him? Are we, are, we, are we taking every area of our life and kind of pointing it in the right directions with the right priorities? You can apply this to every area of your life, parenting, marriage, career, retirement. You want to be prepared, intentional stewards with your life. And I really do believe it can make a, just a radical difference this year in 2021 if we would all set this as our intention, if we would all set this as our goal. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for just the way your word challenges us. I'm challenged more by this message than ever in terms of facing a year, another year that's so different, that circumstances has changed so much for me, for my family, that God, I, I don't want to take a year off. I don't want to feel like another year was wasted because of circumstances that I can't control. God, I, I'm praying just for me and my family and for this church that we will be prepared, that we will be intentional, and we will live out the full meaning of what stewardship is in our lives. I thank you for this challenge of the series and and just the way you've called us not to be foolish, but to be wise, to take the advantage of every opportunity and to, and to live in such a way that we know what you want us to do, and we do it. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.